It was on a morning just like this. The sun was out, the wind was cold, I had my jacket, and there I sat nervously, silently, in my youth room, waiting for something to happen. When all of a sudden, a youth leader stood up, going around asking from one person to another if they were going to go to the upcoming retreat. You see, I had made a decision a week before that, hey, maybe this retreat isn't for me because I didn't have money sitting around. And so as the leader made his way from one person and came closer and closer to me, I started to make up my excuses so that this leader would get off my back. But while I was focused and tuned into myself, someone had interrupted my thoughts and sat right ne- next to me. It was one of the older youth members, and we began to talk about how we were doing, how life was this week. And he said something that absolutely blew my mind away. See, I don't know if I ever told him that I wasn't going to go on the retreat or that I actually really, really wanted to go. But he looked me straight in the eye and said, Tommy, you know, I just paid for your retreat costs, so you're going to go. When I heard this, I was so blown away. I couldn't believe it, and there was so much emotions going through my mind, so many thoughts, and I started to feel bad. Because what did this guy think he was doing? What did I mean to him? Before this moment, only my parents have sacrificed so much and cared so much for me. I was no one to him. And yet, he paid for my retreat costs. There was nothing I could do. And all of a sudden, my, my body started to respond in a way that I didn't give it permission to do. Streams of tears started flowing from my eyes, and no layer of shirt was thick enough to stop my boogers from coming out of my nose. So many times I tried to stop crying. I was whimpering. But every time I thought about this great gift, I could only respond by crying more and more. See, service that Sunday didn't start yet. And people were probably thinking about, dude, what's wrong with this guy? Is he really hitting puberty that bad? And it was, I'll I'll be honest, it was embarrassing. But when I thought of the gift, there was nothing I could do but feel joy and gratitude that came out through my tears. Have you ever received an amazing gift? Was it that 1998 Game Boy Color? Or was it that job promotion or that job that you've been waiting your whole life to receive? Or was it that bachelor degree that you did so many restless nights for? Maybe it was the man of your life on his knee with a ring. Maybe it was the baby that you've been wanting for so many years. So when you received this gift, how did you react? Were you like me and tears couldn't just stop pouring from your eyes? Did, did you run around the room and scream and shout? 
Did you hug your dad even though it was so awkward? Maybe you're one of those people who all you can do when you get a great gift is, no way, man. I mean, no way, man. Is that, is that how you reacted? It's interesting how great responses fit so well to great gifts. It's almost as if they complement each other. And, and it's, it's, it's actually kind of disappointing when there's a gift but there's no response. I mean, I'm guilty of that. Someone has given me a gift before, and all I could do is just, oh, okay. Man, I regretted that response so bad after. I'm sure we've all had moments like that as parents, as friends, as girlfriends and boyfriends, as children. You know, as, as Christians, we face and we receive a lot of gifts. And sometimes our response to, to these gifts don't always line up. But thankfully, the Bible shows us how we can respond in the, in the right way. See, the Bible does this by giving us the greatest gift and showing us how we can greatly respond to this great gift. And it speaks true to this principle of life that great gifts inspire great responses. See, the series that we are going through right now is called True Spirituality. And last week, Kubi and Greg did a great job giving us an overview of what a true believer is like. And today, I want us to dive into Romans 12 to see how we can begin to practice what a true believer looks like. So if you want to follow along with me, it says in verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. See, the author of the book of Romans was a, na- a guy named Paul. And Paul wasn't just your average Joe. He wasn't just a guy who just, hey, I'm going to write a diary and just give this to a bunch of people. No, this guy, he was a leader to the people, to the Christians during his time. And if we read here in the verse, we see something quite amazing. There's three different parts I want to break this verse down into. This first section is, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, See, when, when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, he wanted to address a few things. And in the beginning of Romans, because we're starting in chapter 12, the beginning from verse, uh, chapter 1 to 11, he builds this big, big picture of who God is and what he's done and what he's given us as his people. That's why he says at the beginning of this verse, Therefore, I was reminded by this great statement someone told me this week. 
When you see a therefore, figure out why it's therefore. And the reason why Paul starts by saying therefore is he's saying that, hey guys, you know I just wrote like 11 chapters. So because of all these things, this great 11 chapters of how I told you that God gave you this, God gave you that, did you know that you fell from grace? You deserve to be punished. Yet God gave you this righteousness, this gift. Paul says, because of that, this amazing gift, that's, I'm going to urge you to do something. Therefore, I urge you. What does the word urge mean? See, Paul, once again, he was a leader. I mean, he had the authority to lay it down. He could have said, hey, Romans, you guys are going to do it, all right? You guys, I'm not going to just urge you. I'm going to tell you to do it. But no, he takes a different approach. Instead of commanding them as, and instructing them to do it right away, he urges them. And he paints this picture of a friend, of, of, of this emotional pleading with the people coming beside them. Hey, let's do this. I'm urging you. This is great. Come on. Let, this is good. You know, I, I have a friend at, at home where every time when we were in high school, he always was like the most persuasive person ever. I'd be like, hey, man, I, I can't come out and play basketball. He's like, dude, come on, man. Let's go play basketball, dude. You, you, you can do that later. And he would go on and on and on until I said, yeah, all right, let's go. See, Paul is, 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 is coming us along these, these Romans. And he's saying, come on, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm urging, I'm pleading with you. I'm appealing to you to do this. See, you received this gift. I'm urging you to do something. It goes on to say, brothers and sisters. See, Paul is saying, I'm not just talking to anyone. I'm talking about to you Christians. I'm talking to people who are part of God's people. And guess what? That means that he's talking to you and to me. Because if we are Christians, then we are included in this family that Paul is addressing to In this next section, Paul says this. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, so after Paul is urging the people to, to do something, he goes down and explains what he's urging them towards. So remember the great principle of life that I was talking about. Great gifts inspire great responses. See, Paul just said that great, the great gift that we received is the mercy of God. The thing that I've been talking about from chapter 1 to 11, that's the gift that God has given us. And now he says, now respond like this, by offering yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God.
When you think of the word sacrifice, what do you think about? Maybe the idea of giving something very important to someone is what comes to mind. Although that's true, I believe that when, when the original audience of this letter, when the Romans heard the word sacrifice, they saw something much greater, some, something so big, an image that they've known so well. Because if we look back into the Old Testament, sacrifice and offerings were a daily part of life. See, the thing is, the Jewish people had to always offer sacrifices to make sure they were aligned with God. Many times these sacrifices were made to cover sin. Because what sin does is it brings up punishment. And the only thing that the people can do is give an offering so that this punishment can happen. And so when the people sinned, instead of the punishment coming upon them, the punishment came down on the animals that were being sacrificed. But the interesting thing is that when when the Jewish people in the Old Testament, when they offered animals to God for a, a covering of their sin, it wasn't just any animal. Oh, there's a lizard. I'm going to sacrifice that. Oh, there's a rat, you know. Oh, there, I have a lot of cockroaches in my house, so I'm going to sacrifice that. No. There was a specific type and standard that God required for the people to have from their sacrifices. Sometimes it was a lamb without, without any imperfection. Sometimes it was a bull. Sometimes it was a bird. And if these animals did not meet the standard, then God would not accept the sacrifice. So understanding that a sacrifice is this offering of an item, what does Paul mean when he says for us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? See, Jesus already died for us, so we don't have to kill animals anymore. There's, there's no need for a death to happen when we offer anymore. So even though when we sacrifice, it's not like what people used to do. This is a new type of sacrifice. As a matter of fact, there's three adjectives that describes how we are to sacrifice or to offer ourselves to God. The first is the word living sacrifice. So back then, before the animals were, were offered, they were killed. Their death was required. But because of Jesus, now is different. We don't have to kill ourselves on an altar to offer ourselves to God. But we go before God as we give ourselves to Him and we remain alive 
And this surrendering, giving up to God continues daily, a day after another. The next word that describes our sacrifice or our offering of ourselves to God is the word holy. The, whole, the word holy means to be set aside for a specific purpose or for a specific person. And so when it describes our offering, our laying down of ourselves, our bodies to God, giving Him us, it means that we do it in a holy way where we set our size, our control, we set aside ourselves from everything and give all of ourselves to God, only to Him for His purpose. The last adjective that describes our offering of ourselves to God is the word acceptable or pleasing. So God, the creator of everything, the one who can have anything he wants, is pleased by having us. Pleased by having our brokenness our imperfection, pleased by us giving ourselves wholly to Him. Think about that for a second. God is pleased by us giving ourselves to Him. So living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to God. In the last section of our verse, Paul finally explains to us why when we offer ourselves to God as a sacrifice is the greatest response to God's gift. He says, this is your true and proper worship. Your greatest response to God's greatest gift to you is worship. You offering your bodies to God, offering yourself to God, is an act of worship. Oftentimes, I think we have a limited view of what the word worship means. And here, Paul expands the meaning. See, worship isn't just that specific time before the message begins. Worship isn't just singing or lyrics or songs. Paul expands the meaning of worship and defines it here by pushing it out of the idea of lyrics and music. He tells us that worship is an expression of allegiance, honor, and praise towards God in view of what He's given us. This is to say that although worship and music and song is part of worship, the fullest extent of worship is giving our whole life to God. We worship God because it's our greatest response we can give to God in view 
what he's given to us. To give us an even more better picture or a more description of how this looks like, I want us to go into Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. This is the perfect example of a great reaction to a great gift. Jesus tells the story, and he says in 44, The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of God is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had and bought it. See, in these both, both of these stories, there's two things I want to bring up. First of all, a person finds a treasure. Finds something so valuable, so good, so much that they want to do something about it. They want to respond. And the second thing is that in both of these stories, the person goes and gives everything they have, everything they own, so that they can get that treasure. See, this is what Romans is essentially saying to us in verse 1. In view of God's mercy, in view of what this gift that God has given us, He's given us life. He's giving us righteousness. In view of this, respond by giving everything. Respond by offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Did you know that the way you respond to a gift shows how valuable you see it? People can tell if a gift is meaningful to you or not. For example, if someone important to you or your significant other gives you a gift and you don't really show much expression or response or reaction, the person might feel like you don't really care for the gift. Or maybe it's not what you wanted. On the other hand, if you receive something and you show great expression and response, then the person might think that actually, wow, this person really wants this gift. He really likes it. And I think it's true with God's mercy like this. When we see God's mercy, if it's truly great, truly wonderful, our response then is to offer ourselves all completely to God. In our message today, we're told that God wants us to offer every part of ourselves. If you look at your chairs, there should be a piece of paper that looks like this, the, the one that looks like a check. This check represents what we want to give to God. God wants all of us. He wants us to be all in and give all that we are to Him. But I think sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes we only want to give 
Sometimes we only want to give 35%. Sometimes we only want to give 99.999%, yet that's not enough. God wants every part of us. So are you willing to give God a check saying, all I have is yours. You are in control. If not, what is it that may be stopping you from doing that? Or maybe how, maybe you're wondering, how can I do this this week? How can you do this act of worship? Maybe it means that it's time to let go of that relationship that you shouldn't be in. Maybe it means that giving yourself completely to God is saying no to going out on the weekends and drinking. Maybe giving yourself completely to God means confronting that sinful pattern in your life. Maybe it means that you find a community that will fully support you in making good decisions. Maybe it simply means that you give yourself completely to God as you sit down this week and just search for Him in the Bible. I'll be honest, this, this can be a really hard task to do, to give yourself completely to God. And this week, I had to really ask myself, what have I not given to God? What areas in my life hell, do I need to surrender to Him? And it will be hard. But I want to encourage you with this. Just as Paul says in Romans verse 1, therefore, in view of God's mercy, therefore, in view of this great gift that God has given you, which you don't deserve, which I don't deserve, in view of that, May that spur you, inspire you to give yourself completely to God. Now imagine with me. Imagine our kids and how much they would be exposed to God's love if parents were giving themselves completely to God. Imagine river life and how we would interact with each other and what we would talk about if we gave ourselves completely to God. Imagine what our families would see if we completely gave ourselves to God. I think they would see a true believer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the great gift of 
of being saved. The great gift of not being punished even, even though we deserve it. We thank you for your mercies. Father, will you continue to daily help us see the value of what you've given us so that we may be inspired to respond in giving ourselves fully to you in the way we talk, the way we eat, the way we drive, the way we live our lives. Lord, will you bless us as we seek out to see what it means to be a true believer. We thank you for what you've given us and the blessings. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.